You're listening to the podcast for Asbury United Methodist Church. Join us every Sunday at 9 a.m. for small groups, 10 a.m. for worship, or anytime at asburybosier.org. I'm wrapping up uh, a three-week series on the non-anxious presence, and uh, I figured this morning we would spend some time talking about Jesus, because uh, we're here, we're at church, let's do it. Um, two weeks ago, we talked about anxiety. We defined anxiety as excessive worry about a possible future. So the general definition for anxiety being excessive worry about a possible future. And then last week we talked about the concept of a double bind. That's when you're put into a situation and you're given two choices and neither choice is really good. Like they, they're conflicting interests and you're kind of in a lose-lose situation. And I gave examples of double bind, situations where we can't really win and being in those situations creates tension, it creates anxiety. And this morning I want to talk about Jesus as a non-anxious presence. Jesus as someone who didn't seem to struggle with anxiety. He was known as the Prince of Peace right? Uh, he didn't struggle with anxiety. But, but before we even get into that, I want to say, even though Jesus didn't struggle with anxiety, he sure seemed to cause a lot of it. He made people anxious all the time. Uh, the religious leaders around him were constantly getting worked up. They felt threatened by, by his calmness. They felt threatened by his message, by his certainty in how God was with them. Um, when he was around the religious leaders, they felt threatened. They might lose their control. They might lose their power. So Jesus caused a lot of anxiety with the powers that be around him. But not only that, Jesus caused a lot of anxiety with his family. There's one story where the, the, the family is getting wind that people are starting to consider Jesus to be the Messiah. And they're like, our Jesus? Like our brother? My son? That guy's the Savior? Uh, they got a little freaked out. And there's one story where he's in, in the middle of a crowded room kind of teaching and, and performing miracles. And his family comes in and is like, hey, we're going to take you home now. Uh, Jesus caused anxiety with his family. Uh, but also Jesus caused anxiety with his disciples. Uh, and one of my favorite stories of that is a story we all know pretty well when Jesus calms the storm. And one version of the story goes like this. They are out on a boat. Jesus and his disciples are out on a boat. Uh, they can see from miles, so they see the storm coming. The disciples are freaking out. Oh my God, there's a storm coming. We've got to get out of this boat and get onto dry land. What do we do? Let's ask Jesus. So they look for Jesus. They find Jesus napping. And I, you can just write this one down. My favorite strategy for stress is napping. It works so well. Take a nap, wake up. You don't even remember what it's about. So they, they wake Jesus up. Jesus, you've got to do something about this. Jesus is like, all right, I'm going to do something about this. He goes to the top of the boat. Hey, weather, stop. Chill out. The weather chills out. It does. The, the, the nature does what Jesus tells it to do. The disciples don't feel any better about their situation. Oh, my God. We are on a boat with a guy that can tell the weather to stop, and it stops. We've got to get out of this boat and get on some dry land now. Jesus was not a person that struggled with anxiety, but he created a lot of anxiety for the people that were around him. I think that's still true today for us. There's times when Jesus can be a calming presence. He can be the Prince of Peace. But there's times when his virtues and his nature and his character rub up against ours and create a lot of tension and anxiety. Jesus is a non-anxious presence that at times creates anxiety in us. 
But Jesus himself didn't struggle with anxiety. What fascinates me about that is that in the history of the earth, that there's someone that should have struggled with anxiety, it should have been Jesus. He was called the Son of God. Those are big expectations. Those are big shoes to fill. Savior of the world is a lot of pressure. If anyone in the history of the world should struggle with anxiety, it should be someone that was being known as the Savior of the world. That's a lot of pressure, right? Um, he had people that were constantly lying about him, that were plotting against him, that were seeking to kill him. He was constantly disliked by the crowds. If anyone should have struggled with anxiety, it should have been Jesus. And we defined anxiety just a second ago. Anxiety is excessive worry about a possible future, meaning most of us when we struggle with anxiety, we have worry about something that's actually never going to happen. It's a possible future, potentially not, a, not an unlikely future, and we're worrying about that. Jesus knew his future. There was no possible future. He, he knew what lied ahead for him, and it stunk. It was suffering. It was a brutal death on the cross. It was humiliating. Jesus didn't have to worry about a possible future. He knew his future, and it stunk. But he stayed at peace even in the midst of that. Jesus was a person who had so much pressure and so much expectation and a hard path to follow. Yet when we look at him, he seemed to be calm, clear, and at peace with his lot. Jesus was a person who didn't have anxiety. How is that possible? I want us to learn from maybe some examples here. So the first thing I would say about Jesus, how did he have such a peace about himself, is Jesus knew who he was. He knew who he was in, in, in God. Uh, he knew who he was on earth. And there's a famous story when Jesus was baptized in Jordan River. And he comes out of the water and like the heavens open up and the voice of God the Father beams down. And God the Father says to his son, this is my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. This is my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. So Jesus knew who he was, and his core identity was, I am someone who is loved by the Father. And when the Father looks at me, he is well pleased. Now, the, the word here for well pleased means to take joy in, to take delight in, just to be delighted by, to be tickled by. So God's saying that when I look at Jesus, it just brings joy to my heart. And Jesus knew that was his identity. I am someone whose mere existence brings joy to my Father. My Father delights in me. Now, our youngest daughter, Lucy, is in preschool. She's about to graduate. And so they took preschool graduation pictures. And um, no offense to photographers in the room, but they're expensive. And so Ashley texted me. She's like, hey, the pictures came in. I'm like, they're too expensive. What do they think we are, suckers? And then she texted me the picture. This is what we got. Yeah, we're suckers. That's a good picture. <laughs> the feeling that I got when Ashley sent me that picture, the feeling you guys had, uh, I would say even a fraction of what I felt because this is my kid. The feeling I had there, just a warmth and a joy. I laughed. There's just a happiness when I see this picture. I delight in my daughter, in my daughters, in my children. I love them. And when I see photos like this or memories like this pop up on Facebook, there's a warmth and a joy that comes up in me as, as a father to these children. This is what God feels for us. This is what God feels for you. And when God looked at Jesus, he said, this is my son that I get delight 
and joy in. And Jesus was secure in that identity. He knew who he was. Some of our greatest sources of anxiety come from our insecurities and from our shames, our fear of failures. Um, I feel like we, we blew it, like we're not worthy. And I just want to encourage you this morning, when God looks at you, he feels delight. He feels warmth. He feels the same thing that you felt that I felt when I saw this picture of Lucy. God delights in us. We don't have to prove our worth to God. It's already there. It's already intrinsic. We are of his breath, of his heart, of his design, of his care. He is for us and he delights in us. That feeling is secure. You don't have to earn it or prove it. Jesus didn't seem to care what other people thought about him. A, a huge source of our anxiety and our fears and our worries is what do other people think about us? And I'm just going to take a sidebar here for a second. You want to know what someone, you, Matt, you want to know what that person over there thinks about you? I'm just going to tell you right now. Nothing. They don't think about you at all. <laughs> I don't mean that in a mean way. <laughs> I just pointed this in a direction. I don't know who it is. Okay. You don't know what other people think when they think about you? Nothing. They don't think about it. They're thinking about what you think about them. So much of our anxiety is spent worrying about what other people think about our decisions or who we are. And they don't think about us at all. Anxiety is excessive worry about a possible future. The possibility of someone thinking negative things about you all the time is very slim. Because they're narcissistic. They're just thinking about themselves. Okay? Don't worry about what other people think. Jesus didn't care what other people think. There's one time when Jesus was doing great stuff. He was healing people left and right. And they loved it. And they're like, Jesus, we want to make you king right now. They didn't even understand the plot. They didn't know the story. They're like, Jesus, you're doing so good. Just We're going to build a, like a, a chair in this house in Capernaum, a small town near Galilee. We're going to make you king of Capernaum. He's like, what? I'm the king of the world, okay? We're going to make you king of Capernaum. We're going to crown you because you're doing great stuff. Just keep doing the great stuff. We love you. We want to make you king right now. And Jesus is like, no, thank you. I'm good. And he moves on. There's another time in the story where he is the opposite end of the spectrum. They are furious with Jesus. He broke the law. He broke the Sabbath. He did something to tick them off. And they are just spewing hate. Like The crowd is fickle. And so they're furious with him. And they drive him up to a cliff. And it says they look, they were going to push him off this cliff. And Jesus is like, no, thank you. I'll pass on that one too. And he walks through them. Like the weird, it's a weird story. It's like he, he ghosted them. Like he became a ghost or something. And he walked through the crowd and didn't get pushed off a cliff. But I just want to say there's two situations here. And it happens all over the Gospels where the crowd is hyped up about Jesus. They love him so much. Jesus, we want you. You're the man. We want you. He's like, nah, I'm good. I don't care really what you think about me. Because I, have have, I know who I am. I know my purpose. And then there's plenty of times where like, Jesus, we hate your guts. And we want to kill you. And he's like, no, thank you. <laughs> Not yet. He doesn't care what the crowd thinks because his identity and who he is in, in light of God, the Father, how the Father delights in him is secure. So one way that Jesus is non-anxious is a secure identity. He knows who he is. Now these days, I care less about what people think about me, but it's not from a holy place. It's just because I'm grumpy. There is a place where we cannot care what people think that's holy because we are secure in our identity in God. 
That's where I would like to be. So Jesus knew who he was. Uh, secondly, he, Jesus knew his purpose. He knew who he was. He is loved by God. And he knew why he was here, what his purpose was on earth, which was to spread the love of God. And he says, a lot of times in the Gospels, he's like, this is why I'm here. And he gives you, I'm here, I'm, I'm, I'm here for this reason, to testify to the truth. I'm here for this reason, to proclaim good news to the poor. I'm here for this reason, to proclaim that the kingdom of God is already here among you. I'm here to testify to the goodness and beauty and love of God the Father. Jesus had a clear sense of what his purpose was. Now, I'm reaching 40. I'm 39. I turn 40 in a few months. I'm reaching like the, the, the and it's just weird, the midlife crisis thing. Like, you're like, no, I'm not going to get, it just happens. I don't know. But there's this angst about my identity. Is, does my life matter? Am I on the right track? Is, is my purpose in life secure and set? There's anxiety that comes from the midlife crisis or the quarter-life crisis or the th three-fourths crisis. I don't know. Like, there's anxiety that comes when we're not totally doubt into why we exist and what we're on earth to do. There's a tension that comes from that. And the writer of Proverbs says this, he says, when, when people don't have a vision for their lives, they wander aimlessly. They just want, they perish. It's, it, it's, it's tearing them apart. They don't have a, a unified vision for their life. But Jesus had a clear vision about what his life was for and about what his ministry was about. And one thing we see often in the Gospels is that when the hype or the hate got fever pitch, Jesus broke away from the crowd. He broke away from the chaos and he went into solitude and he prayed. And he spent time with God in prayer. And almost every time we see Jesus break away from the chaos and then come back, he is re-centered on his purpose. There's one story early on in the Gospels where Jesus is healing people in Peter's mom's mother-in-law's house. And everyone's going crazy. They love it. He's like, he spends all, this is, he pulls an all-nighter, just healing folks left and right. It's like the Oprah thing. You get a car, you get a car, you get healed. No more leprosy, no more blindness. You're walking. Like Jesus just healing people left and right all night. And everyone's like, this is great. Let's do it. Let's just keep doing this. Jesus goes to pray. They find him. Jesus, what are you doing? I'm praying. Jesus, let's just stay here and camp out. This is going so good. He's like, no, we got to go to Jerusalem. Like this isn't my ending stopping spot. My purpose is the cross. My purpose is Jerusalem. Uh, so when the hype was going on, he'd break away and he'd pray and he'd get recentered. I'm not here just for the hype. I'm here for this purpose. And when the hatred was getting fever pitch, he'd break away and he'd pray and he'd remember my purpose is Jerusalem. My purpose is the cross. So Jesus knew who he was. He was loved by God. He knew his purpose to spread the love of God. And he was locked in on that and he broke away at times to remind himself of that. And it worked who he was, why he was here. And then lastly, Jesus knew that God was always present. He understood the presence of God in his life. One of our greatest sources of anxiety is our desire to be in control. We want to be in control of our future. We want to be in control of our health. Like for Ash and I right now, we have four young daughters. Our greatest common anxiety is the future for our daughters. Being uh, born a woman in this world is harder than it is to be a dude. That's just how it is. And so we worry about so many different things and aspects of what misogyny and patriarchy look like in response to our kids. Our anxiety is about our daughter's future that we can't control. Uh, one, of our, one of humanity's greatest sources of fear and anxiety is the things that we can't control. And what we need to learn to realize is that we can't really control anything. 
There's not much in our life that we can control, but we, we try to, we cling to, and that creates anxiety. We try to manage that anxiety. We try to gain more control by accumulating power, prestige, or possessions. All right, I'm a, I'm a Baptist at heart, kind of. I'm an I'm a ex-Baptist, but I still use alliteration. All right, so Jesus knew who he was as a person. He knew his purpose. He knew the presence of God, PPP. Uh, the three things that we try to pursue to get control are power, prestige, possessions. It never works because we just want more of those things. It creates more anxiety. Jesus rejected the pursuit of those things. He rejected the pursuit of power, prestige, or possessions. He trusted in the presence of God, the Father. He knew that God was with him. The Gospel of John is huge on that. There's a theme throughout John. I and the Father are one. The Father is always with me. I know what God is up to, and, he, and he, he's aligning his purposes with mine. Uh, Jesus is lockstep with God in the Gospel of John, in, in the presence of God in his life. Jesus knew that his life would be hard. He just knew that life in general is hard, but his life particularly would be really hard. But he trusted that the Father would be with him. The most given command in Scripture, in all the Bible, is do not be afraid. And it's not, it's not do not be afraid because there's not things to be afraid of. It's not do not be afraid because life is actually not hard. Like, that's not a part of it. Life is hard. There are things that are scary. And God tells us more than anything else, do not be afraid. Why? Because I am with you. God's presence is with us in the hardship. Psalm 23, one of the most popular psalms in Scripture. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Not because God's going to hell evac me out of there, the valley, and get me to a safe spot. No. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I walk through hardships, I walk through terrifying things, I will not be afraid. Why? Because you are with me. God's presence is with me in the valley. It's not an escape from the valley. It's God's presence in the midst of the valley. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me with my enemies. The enemies aren't gone. They're not away. Uh, the fear, the, the scary things aren't away. They're with us, but God is with us too. And there's a trust in that. So Jesus knew um, that God's presence would, would walk with him through the hard things. It wouldn't save him from the hard things. It would be with him in them. So Jesus was a non-anxious presence. He knew who he was. He was loved by God. He knew what his purpose was to proclaim the kingdom of God, a kingdom of love. And he trusted that God's presence would be with him in the midst of the hardships because the hardships were certain to come. That he didn't have to fight for control. He didn't have to fight for power, prestige, possessions. He could let those things go and just trust in God's presence and goodness and provision. What would it look like for us to, to learn from Christ? To be confident in who we are, that God takes delight in us. To be confident in why we're here. To share with other, others that God loves them as well, that he delights in them. To, to seek out God's kingdom here on earth. And what would it look like for us to trust that God's presence is with us, even in the midst of the difficult things that are certain to come in our life? Let's pray.